wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome to Auto Off Topic. How's it going, Brad? Uh, yeah, uh yep. Oof. Fresh start. There oh, great. Andrew, going great. Everything is good. Yes. All is well. I had one of those moments there where I was just about to say something, and then my mind was like, no, I want to say something else, but it was too late, so I couldn't stop it. But, uh, yeah. Just um, spilling on out. Yeah. It's, you know, this is obvious that we've been doing this for uh, seven years this month. Listen. I've been talking for 43 years almost, and I still screw it up. So yeah. life goes on. Life goes on. Uh, Jay, seven years this month? Yep. Yikes. We should be better at this by now. November 2016. That's crazy. I don't yeah. know what's crazier, that we've been doing this for seven years or that November of 2016 was seven years ago. Yeah, that does not feel like seven years ago. but No, it, a, absolute lifetime ago. Like... Just thinking about everything that I've done in the past seven years, absolute lifetime ago. But here we are, seven years later, still playing with shitty old cars and talking about them on the radio. Yeah. I accept it's or, not the radio. Or maybe it is oh, on your radio. Listen, I'm we're we're aging into the time where we're supposed to say the pod and radio. So Yeah. We started this when we were young and hip seven years ago. Uh, I don't know about hip. Definitely young. Younger. Younger. <laughs> Younger. St- still still young. Maybe maybe the older we get, the easier it is to be hip with our age. Maybe that's how it is. We're not hip. We're hip within our age bracket. Sure. Give me something, Andrews. Give me something here. Come on. It sounds good to me. Anyway. What's, uh, what's new with you, Andrew? Anything good other than uh, celebrating seven years of this? Uh, I, I mean, I did do some car stuff. You did? Uh, yeah. Was there like Indian summer there all of a sudden? Yeah, it was kind of nice last weekend. So I got nice. some stuff done. Excellent. Cause it was real cold this week. So I didn't get anything done this past weekend cause we had some out of town guests from Massachusetts. Let me rephrase that from New Hampshire. So we did some uh, touristy stuff around here for a while, uh, but I did get some stuff done after the fact in an attempt to prep a car for Radwood. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I've been going back and forth in my brain. Uh, there are four cars which are pretty much ready to go to Radwood, but not quite. So I could have taken the Sapporo, the 944, the Corolla, or the Eclipse. 
So at the last minute, I said, you know what? The 944 needs intake manifold gaskets done. Uh, obviously, it hasn't been fixing itself. It's been getting worse as time's gone on. And it got to the point where the car barely idles. It just kind of pop, 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 pop in the driveway because the intake manifold gasket on the number four runner was pretty far, pretty far blown out. So I said, looking at it, oh, maybe this could be a quick enough job that I can blast through this and have the car ready to go for Radwood on Friday, which is at the time of this recording tomorrow. Uh, so I did. I dug into it. It's not incredibly difficult to take off. Uh, you got to remove the fuel rail. It's uh, four 10 millimeter bolts that hold the fuel rail on. So you pull the fuel rail off. All the injectors are attached as a fuel rail. That comes out. Then there are eight six millimeter Allen head bolts holding the intake manifold to the cylinder head. And then one 10 and one 13 holding a bracket on the other side on the, you know, driver's side of the car. So I was able to start taking those all off. Um, two of the Allen head bolts were pre-stripped, meaning I didn't have any chance because they were already stripped. Uh, they were on the number four runner, which makes me think that the reason that that gasket blew out of number four is because the previous person who had the car apart stripped those Allen heads and put them on as tight as they could get them, but did not get them on tight enough because they couldn't because of the rounding of the inside of them. So I, that's my quick self-diagnosis as to why it happened because the other three look remarkably good. And just that one was blown out pretty hard. So that's, that's my guess is that it wasn't torqued down properly because it couldn't be because of that rounded out bolt. Uh, thankfully I have extractors for the Allen head style bolts. Um, I don't remember when I needed them, but obviously I needed them at some point because I have them. So I had the correct size, pounded it in, was able to get them off. Uh, the I'm going to admit right here that I did put them back in uh, only because I was able to properly torque them with that extractor piece in there. Um, the only reason I did that was because I don't have any other ones. So I put them back in. I did order two of the proper bolts for that so that I will be able to just change them out without taking the whole car apart, just do one at a time. So, but I was able to get them in there at least. Um, I do want to change them out so the next person that goes into that does not have that same surprise. Plus, there's only so many times you can use the extractor before you have to yeah, screw start them. cutting it and slot it. Well, I, listen, <laughs> I want to make it right. So I'm going to make it right. Uh, I'm not going to blame the previous owner of the car, who is obviously our friend Bradley. Uh, he didn't do anything on the intake, so he's off the hook. So looking into the VIN number history of the car, if you Google the VIN number, you can find a for sale ad for the car from like 2012, and it had a bad cylinder head. So at that point, somebody obviously had the top of the motor apart because they put a cylinder head on it, and that's probably the person that stripped those bolts out. So it is all together. It was a pretty simple process. I think all in, start to finish, including cleaning up afterwards and going on a test drive, uh, a little under three hours. So not tremendously difficult. I was hoping to do it a little faster, but <laughs> the act of cleaning up the old gasket material and dealing with the rounded off bolts added a little bit of time. So I think given given all that, 
three hours start to finish wasn't too, too bad. Uh, fired the car up. It ran like absolute garbage. But my assumption is, you know, the car has like some kind of a learning process. It's electronic fuel injection with an ECU of sorts. So it probably had learned how to run with that massive vacuum leak. And when I stopped the passive vacuum leak, it ran like absolute garbage. Um, but within, I don't know, 25 seconds of starting it, it smoothed itself out and it runs great now. And I drove it you know, around the block and I uh, had an appointment in town today. I took it there um, and uh, was pretty much all set to uh, buff it out and get it ready for Radwood. And I decided to do a little bit more checking on things because I do still have a little bit of a weird shimmy in the front, which I think we talked ad nauseum about my new tires. So the old tires probably masked it or made it worse. And I had new tires on there and everything's nice and balanced. And I still have a little shimmy in the front. Um, so I jacked it up and to kind of do a pre-trip inspection. And it uh, it failed my comfort level of uh, wheel bearing wear. So after all that, car's not going to Radwood. Because <laughs> I'm leaving tomorrow and I don't have wheel bearings at my house. So, so there's that. But, wah, wah, wah. so I think it's going to be an eclipse trip to Radwood, Andrew. I think it's going to be the. You think so? The, the backup plan, yeah. I I want to do the exhaust and the Corolla before I go that far. Um. I still want to get a, a real alignment on the car, so I'm not going to take the Corolla. The Eclipse is. Pretty much ready to go. Sapporo hasn't moved in like eight months. I think that'd be a lot to ask of it just to take it out and go. So I think the Eclipse is going to be the way. So after we record this podcast, the Eclipse is going to get uh, a nice washing because it hasn't had one in a while. <laughs> so, Which is good because I did a lot of work to that car too. And hopefully it uh, all runs good now. And that'll be a good shakedown for my final shakedown really of the car before it... Uh, moves on out of my ownership so i think it's where we're at so that's my project car update yeah three hours of work told in 35 seconds yeah um yeah but at least it's done now yeah and, and everything went like i said fairly smoothly it was felt pretty good when it was all over and i managed to you know get through it get it all done because you know sometimes sometimes those little hiccups like the bolts being stripped really throw you for a loop and you lose all your motivation i've um i've hammered cheap torques into a hex head that are stripped to get them off that also works sure well i had the proper size extractor so it worked so that's good (laughs) Um, it is what it is i was ready to slot it and try to get it out but didn't have to no i um so I talked about getting the spark plugs for Stephanie's Crosstrek because that's now crossed into out of warranty needs regular maintenance intervals now. Sure. Uh, so it has almost 60,000 miles on it. So I did the oil change, did the plugs, which uh, I've talked about this before, but like 99% of Japanese cars use NGK plugs. Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure you can get them at Napa. I know you can get them at, you can definitely get them in Rock Auto. I don't think 
like the other part stores really carry NGKs for some reason, which is annoying because of the OEM plug. So I think when I looked them up, they were like 30 bucks a piece from the online Subaru parts dealer, which is really expensive. a lot of money for standard plugs. Well, they're like laser iridium things. They're not copper. Okay. Um, and so you look them up on like Rock Auto. I think maybe I spent like forty bucks for the four with shipping or something like that. Maybe it was like okay, so ten bucks a piece. That seems more reasonable. Yeah, or you know, maybe it was like sixty or something. It wasn't. They weren't like thirty dollars a piece though for four. So no, that's a significant savings. But it's all almost the same for all four that they charge for one. Yeah, and it. I don't even know what a dealer would charge you because I mean, I've done plugs on Subarus before I did it on my WRX and other, like other cars, uh, probably Stephanie's old Outback. And the big thing is that you like, it's just like taking stuff out of the way so you can get to it. Um, the other thing you can, uh, because of right to repair laws, all manufacturers have service information websites. You can pay a one-day subscription fee, or it usually gets you like three days or something. It's like, or you know, it's like it depends on the website. Like Subaru one, it's like thirty bucks for seventy-two hours of access, so you can go in and download all the service manual stuff you want and print it out, or save it to computer. Pro tip. So like, I was checking the process for doing the spark plugs, and it's really just like. Take out the airbox, take out the battery, remove a bracket on the battery side that a major, like the harness to the ECU connects to, but it like loops in front of one of the coils. So you just like undo it and lift it up. And then you've got access to all the coils. Back ones were like a little tricky because they're like kind of cut down by the frame rail, but you just kind of had to like maneuver things out. And then I'm glad I checked the because we've got between my dad and I we've got a bunch of trick spark plug sockets for doing different cars um and I double checked the size of these before I took anything apart and uh it's kind of like like modern Toyotas the same way they like really use a really small spark plug socket um these are 14 yeah I think the set I bought I bought I bought a set of like spark plug sockets and I think it came with a tiny little one for for Toyota specifically yeah, obviously also Subaru, which Subaru and Toyota have some shared engineering now, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so uh, luckily Subarus are super common here, and I checked the local Napa dealer because nobody else seemed to list the right socket, and they had one. And I called him up, and I was like, yeah, 14 millimeter. He's like, spark plug socket? I was like, yep. He's like, oh, okay, yep. He's like, I just got one back in. He's like, we, get, we sell them every now and then because... People need them for Subarus. All right, cool. And it was like $6. I was like, sweet. Not bad. So once much, I had the right much, socket. Yeah. Much uh, affordable. Yeah, I, because the problem is, yeah, I could have used a 14 deep, but would it have been deep enough? Because the spark plug one's actually longer. It would have been deep enough for the length of the top of the spark plug. Uh, and the other problem is, is you're trying to reach down in there, try to hold the spark plug, hold it 
as I put it into the spark plug tube in the side in the side of the head, so horizontally, and then trying to find the threaded hole with it with my by hand to try to thread it in, right? So if you don't have the spark plug socket with the little piece of rubber to hold it in there, like there's a really good chance you're just gonna drop the spark plug. Which is gonna either damage the tip of it and then generally just drive you insane. So correct. Uh really for six dollars it's it's really useful to have a spark plug socket. Yeah, hundred percent. It's easier than the old method of like trying to put something sticky in the top of the socket that doesn't fall down inside. So I I mean you can like you could cut a piece of rubber and shove it in there and make your own, but it's not necessarily I don't know if it's gonna work. Some of them have like well magnets just, now, which also work well. It might as well use the standard type that is designed to do what it's supposed to do. So Yeah. I uh, um, for, for as cheap so as they are, they're both, totally worth it. Yeah. Both rears were like a little tricky. The front ones were a lot easier. And then of course, you know, with everything out of the way, it probably took me like two or three hours, maybe. Um and then the oil change on those cars is like insanely easy. Like there's not even, you know, it's got the full under tray, but they just left a cutout where the drain plug is. There's not even a door, it's just cut out. Oh, that's cool. And then of course the filters on the top. So it's like I drained it and I was like, oh yeah, I gotta go up top. The filters up top. And you just pull it off. I and... helped a, I helped a neighbor, um, do their oil change of their Hyundai Tiburon the other day. And they have no under tray on that car, like a main under tray is not in the way. But they have this little like six inch by seven inch under tray that just covers the filter. I was like, what? Why? Like, what is the point of this? (laughs) It's just, it literally, it's four bolts to get this thing out of the way to get the filter out. It doesn't do anything except block the filter. Didn't make any sense at all. I don't know. Yeah. So dumb. Anyway, but, much easier when they don't have anything. Much more preferred, actually. So, well, it's tough. You're gonna. It's that's hard to find in a modern car because the aerodynamics, everything's got covers. Because you can, you know, even on the a car that's not like a super economy car, it does help with economy. Subaru was like, meh. It's got, it's crazy because it's got a full engine tray, and then it's got full plastics down each side of the car on either side of the drive shaft tunnel yeah it's common on a lot of cars now i think bmw yeah. was in the first i remember doing that just yep. completely covering the car in plastic smooth bottom sure unlike a not not unlike a formula one car yeah exactly it's same just deal. like a formula one car same deal <laughs> yeah um i did i think the car runs a little better it, it was kind of island it kinda probably does i mean rough. it's got, what 60k in those plugs yeah so. So it was worth it. I'm sure it makes a difference. You know, fresh parts always help. Even if it's just that seat of the pants feel a little better. You know, it was running fine, but not fine enough. Yeah, it was due. They were a little worn. Listen, after you um, wash a car, it runs better. So do we well, that's the other thing. Better? So it was nice out. I washed and waxed it. So it definitely ran better after that. Always. Or was it the HMA car wash and sale? We should say a clean car is a happy car. Yeah, exactly. So, and um, you used some new product I saw for the black plastics too. Yeah, I used it on the 
on the all track the other weekend too. I basically did the same exact thing. I did the ceramic coat and the Meguiar stuff. And Meguiar's right. has part of the same system is ceramic trim stuff. And it seems to work really well. Nice. Cause I'd never actually put anything on the trim of that car ever. Uh, I'd waxed it a couple times, but I hadn't put anything on it yet. So um, well, it still looks yeah. pretty good considering. Yeah, I mean, it did. It's a four year old car. Yeah, and it always lives outside. So, yep. well, all day long, it sits in a parking garage in the shade. So that probably helps. But probably. most of the time, it lives outside. But nonetheless, it's still a four-year-old car with nothing on that protecting it. And, you know, the manufacturers have done a much better job in the past few years with those black plastics than they did, you know, say 20 years ago. It definitely had some, like, stipling. I don't know what you call it. Like, lines in it, especially around the rear reflectors. Okay. That have gone away that I put the product on. So, yeah, those and lines it, have something to do usually with like the mold process. Like, I'm not sure if it's how it gets poured, like poured into the mold or, or what. That's what I was told a long time ago that it's related to the mold process. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of a, you know, it's not my favorite trend in car design, but uh, when they're cleaned up, they do look nice. I mean, is it really a trend? It's been going on since the early '80s, really. What black? Oh no, black cladding, like crossover cladding, black black trim. Period. Like texture, yeah, black but not trim. in the extent of like now. I don't know. It's like, um, like my Sapporo has got four inch wide black trim the whole way around the car. Okay, and it's but that it's same not texture black plastic. Both the Corolla and the '81 Cressida have big black bumpers that are kind of the same kind of. Sorta. I'm talking yeah, about I like, mean, it's, it's, the fact it's not that the same. every new car has black cladding over the wheel wells. Sure. Sure, that's fairly recent. But more recent. Yeah. But using black plastic on exterior trim has been a thing since like really the early eighties, I think. And it's which only I don't know if it makes years it's gotten better. If it's to make cars feel taller or I don't know, to keep the edges from getting chewed up. I'm not sure. I don't know what it is. I think it's ease of design to make a difference between models. Like, I guess. Oh, this one has colored trim, so it's an Impreza. This one has black trim, so it's a Crosstrek. That's kind of all they do. I ended up behind a Corolla Cross today, and I was like, I thought a RAV4 pulled out in front of me. I was like, I don't understand why this vehicle exists. No, it doesn't make any sense. You know why it exists? It exists because people buy it. Yeah, it's the same reason there's a a Rogue and a Murano and a Kicks. Same reason there's an HRV and a CRV and a CHR and a Art Rav Four and so many. It just doesn't even matter yeah. anymore. Doesn't but matter. anyway, uh, Stephanie's car actually has more black trim than the All Track. So like, I used it on the doors because those are matte, and they had like a bunch of fingerprints and looked kind of weird. If Steffi's car came out today, it would be called an Impreza Cross. Probably. Yeah. Um, Outback Cross. I don't know what it... Yeah, it's weird. The Outback was already the off-road vehicle, so probably the Outback. It would be the Impreza Cross. I'm surprised they didn't call it uh, Outback Sport. Let me just keep that name, because that was already an existing thing. Well, it's the same reason that, you know, uh, Mitsubishi went with Eclipse Cross. You know, just trying to make things 
a little different. Eclipse Cross, Corolla Cross, keeps the brand identity, but also gives it something new. Well, I guess Subaru we're talking about didn't do that, but... No. They're actually called XVs, and they changed them to Crosstrex. Yeah. I forgot the first one. They weren't Crosstrek XV? They were just XV? Yeah. Impreza XV? Yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. Outback Sport would have made sense. Right? Because that that's what it was. Impreza with two-tone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. It's weird. We're not it's in also marketing. weird is that the car has, like, three little rust bubbles on the roof, like, in a weird spot that don't look like rock chips because there's also like i feel like if you get rock chips you don't get bubbling around them well you get bubbling around them if it broke all the way to the bare metal and moisture is spreading underneath yeah that's it's just weird because it's what it reminds me of is 90s mitsubishi where they had that the glue they used on the interior like uh roof rail that that got moisture in it and stayed moist and rusted from the inside out. That's what it looks like. But I'm assuming it's not that. I'm assuming it started on the outside. And one of the things that I've seen being in the industry in the oceanfront areas um, is damage on roof panels sometimes comes from birds. Um, especially if you're some down by the ocean somewhere and a bird picks up like a mussel shell and they'll drop it from, you know, way up to crack it open, and it'll hit a car and damage a car roof in that kind of area. And that'll, you know, split the paint and open up an area for it to get, especially you have a cluster of one little area like that. I guess so. it's weird. It's real weird because it's yeah. not in a spot that you would get rock chips. It's way far back on the roof. That's what I mean. That's that's one of those things I've seen happen, whereas the bird will, you know how like the seagulls pick up the mussels? Yeah. They fly way up in the air and they drop them to smash them open. Well, obviously, they don't care what they land on. And a lot of times it's cars and they do some damage to some panels. A lot. They do damage to panels like that. And I've seen that happen in the past. And obviously, that car. There's a couple other spots that you can see that were definitely rock chips that are like rusty that I need to clean up. Yeah. But, um, but they don't have bubbling around them, which is weird that they went all the way down to bare metal. It goes deep. Yeah. Yeah, but they're rusty. So they went down to bare metal. Yeah, it's all in the adhesion of the paint and how it and how the impact was and how much of it. it there's there's so many variables that it could be, like it just it all it takes is one little space for moisture to get in there and you know there's no stopping it. So yeah, I mean cars are better about it now. You know cars have like the e coat on them when they get built at the, at the manufacturer, which is a coating before the primer coating, which helps stop that from happening as often. But nothing's perfect and. You know, that stuff happens. So. It sucks, but it's part of the reality of owning a car, right? Yeah. So. It's a weird spot for it. But. Is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, it's a daily driver. Yep. And considering it's a 60,000 mile car that lives in New England and has driven all year and lives outside, it's in pretty good shape. Yeah. The majority of it, like. There's rust spots on the doors behind the front wheels. And that comes off because it's probably from brakes. So it's just like surface rust, not rust under the paint. It's like iron iron particles. Yeah, kind of like, like what they moth. call the uh, rail rust. 
which actually you could have rail rust too because you guys live near a train track so not that close close enough gets in the yeah. air and goes everywhere it's so not an actual train it's the trains the trains track, don't though. go by you guys enough probably is probably what it is distance the no. track is fine but not a very active track and the trains go super slow through there so what's crazy to me is uh like i was on the highway the other day in traffic and there was a newer explorer you know it's probably like 10 years old the rear brakes must have gone on it at some point metal to metal so like the rear wheels were completely coated in rusty iron particles Mm-hmm. It was a white truck, and so was all of the back of the truck was coated in rust stains just orange. from the dust. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's just like, I don't know how you let it go that far. Well, it's easy, Andrew. You just don't care. Yeah, I guess. Ultimately, that's what it is. You just, you have so little care given to taking care of the vehicle. It just doesn't matter. But anyway, what else we got? Oh, a couple things. Um, so obviously, Radwood is this weekend. That was uh, what I'm prepping cars for. Multiple cars now because of reasons. A um, couple of new car things I found interesting. That uh, I know we don't usually talk new car news, but this one here kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, and it's something that you would only hear from Dodge. So Dodge is making, or I guess I should say Ram, is making an electric pickup truck. Yes, I saw Have this. you heard about this? I did. Have you heard the weird thing about it? It's not that weird. It's kind of smart. You don't think so? No. So I think it's odd, and only I feel like only Dodge would be like, we're making an EV truck, but under the hood, it's going to have a 3.6 liter V6. Yeah, charges the batteries. I, okay, I, it just it struck me as so strange. Like, instead of doing an electric truck, it's going to be an electric truck with an onboard generator, and that onboard generator is literally a three point six liter Pentastar V six. Okay, it just seems like such a Dodge thing to do. Yeah, but what is everybody complaining about? How much range they range. have and yeah, where to charge anxiety. it? Yeah, so like, fine, we'll fix that by putting a generator on board. And I believe it also works bi-directional where you can pl- it'll like give it has onboard power to like power tools and like power a house. It so, does. But this V6 engine is not connected to the chassis of the truck at all. No, it's just a generator. It's literally there just to generate power for the electric motors. Yeah. I don't know. It seems counterintuitive. It's super smart. <laughs> it is and it no, isn't. It just seems dumb. Why? I mean, why we, is it, it dumb? Because we're still making a gas-powered vehicle. No, we're not. It's not running all the time. Okay. The well, majority of the time, it won't run because you can charge it, like plugged in, if you're smart about it. So where it's handy is if you're out like on a job site, you don't have anywhere to charge it. You want to run stuff. The range going to no be power. the range of the vehicle is 690 miles. Yeah. So think about being a contractor instead of bringing out a. Uh, gas generator you're gonna fire up and it's super loud and noisy you can just run this thing it's probably super quiet because it's got full car exhaust uh, i mean yes. they're gonna put uh they're, gonna, they're still gonna put two uh two duels on it anyways that lose custom but you know yeah <laughs> well it's it's 690 miles of range 140 of which is by the battery 
alone. Yeah. So it just doesn't seem very efficient at that point. If of your 690 miles, only 140 of it is battery range. And you're just going to be running the whole time you're on the truck. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But that's that's what I'm saying. It doesn't. Yeah, but no... 140 miles is like a week's worth of commuting. And I agree 100%. The 145 and, and miles is great. If you're charging anytime you're parked, it doesn't matter what the range is. So now we're charging, we're just idling? No, you plug it in. Is it also going to be a plug-in? Yes, that's how it charges. Yeah, it has a plug-in to charge, yeah. Uh, Nothing about it says that it's plug-in. I haven't seen that yet, so... Okay. Why yeah, would it not initial, be plugged so, in? So initial charge must be plugged. I don't know. I just saw this and it struck me as odd. And I'm not sure It would be odd if you couldn't plug it in. Yes. That you, would be you can you can you can plug it in, yes. Yeah. But the whole the whole thing just struck me as odd. It just seemed very dodge. We're like, we're gonna make an EV, but it's still gonna have a big whole three point six liter gasoline engine in it. It just it's just it's just handy if you're out somewhere and you don't have the ability to charge. It's like your backup, which is fine. You shouldn't need to be. You shouldn't be using it all the time. I guess I just. Well, I will it's still say probably more fuel efficient to charge than to actually drive the truck on gas. I will say that they did kill it with the name. So we'll give it that. What's the name? Ram Charger. Yes. Yeah, as it should be. Ford just blew like, it with like... lightning. But no, they, they didn't. These guys, yeah, Lightning should have been the name for the powerful truck. It shouldn't have been the electric truck. What are you talking about? That make Lightning is electricity. Yeah, but it should have been like E one fifty or something that was historic and no, Lightning so Lightning makes way more sense. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. I know somebody that has the new Lightning and put the old decals on. It looks okay. super cool. Is the new Lightning that not have the same logo? No. Put the '90s ones on; it looks awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I just I thought it was strange. It, it struck me as weird, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. I was uncomfortable with it. It just seems strange. It just seems like it's just make it powered by a V6. It just seemed like the way to go. So much less expensive and less complicated. It's but, probably actually less complicated to not have it connected through a drivetrain. Oh, I I disagree that it's less complicated by adding a bi-directional power source plus the engine. It sure it is. It's not. Uh, There's no mechanical stuff to engineer. It's all electronic. Yeah. Well, I'm uncomfortable with it. Totally separate. Maybe it's because we've been doing it for seven years and now I'm becoming the grumpy old man yells at cloud. I guess you are. I it, it seems weird to me and I don't I don't love whatever's going on with it. It's not. I don't know. It doesn't seem like the right way to do it. And again, I'm not anti-hybrid. I'm not anti-electric. This just seems strange. I can't wait for somebody to, to swap out the 3.6 liter V6 for a 6 liter supercharged Hemi. Because you know what's going to happen. What? It's not connected to anything, though. I know, but somebody's going to do it anyway. <laughs> anyway, the cool thing about it is that the new... Ram charger, I guess. Um, it's going to be ridiculous. 
Um, I don't know what the lightning specs are, but this is going to be the equivalent of 660 horsepower and do 0 to 60 in 4 seconds. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely insane. <laughs> Way faster than it needs to be, and I'm sure it weighs 9,000 pounds. So, I don't know how they're going to stop it, but it is what it is. I guess electric generated uh, braking stuff is better too, but still crazy to think about that. Yeah, you can put a lot of drag on regen, so yeah. plus the brakes. Basically, it's going to be ridiculously fast. So Anyway, the other interesting piece that I heard today, I was in a uh, like a, a continued education course for work today about electric cars in general. Yeah. Um, and just, as, just an interesting fact I wanted to bring up because it is odd in the construction of vehicles. Uh, Lucid's um, yeah. are the first vehicle to be made without any use of a welder. Um, Entire cars, screws and glues. There's no welding uh, anywhere. I feel like somebody forgot about the Elise, but sure. There's still a welding in the backbone of the chassis and whatnot in that. There's literally no welding at all in this. Like nothing yeah, in this car the Elise, is welded. I thought the Elise was glued together. So the so the Elise has a has a welded backbone, like a chassis underneath, and then all of the panels are bonded to it. But the different structure of the undercarriage of the all the metal underneath the car is glued together. But then everything is bonded to it. The Lucid Air has got absolutely nothing that's welded. All the main superstructures of the cars are cast instead of being put together from multiple pieces of steel. So it's it's interesting. The, the, the good thing about it is obviously it is makes it modular, easy to fix, and easy to build. But the negative about it is when those cast pieces get damaged, there's no fixing them. So you have to replace okay. them. So you got to dig pretty deep into the car. So, you know, a, a standard car gets hit in the quarter panel and all mm-hmm. the metal inside the quarter panel shifts. Now the problem mm-hmm. is you hit a lucid in the quarter panel and behind that quarter panel is a giant cast piece of, you know, steel. So it can't be repaired. So, Is your insurance higher for one of these cars? Like oh, a lucid, a Tesla? Yeah. Yep. Not as much for the Model 3, I think, because the Model 3 is a fairly standard construction, mostly steel. Um, But all of the other ones are all aluminum, high-strength steel, crazy rules for fixing them. Um, Tesla's rules for fixing cars are very strict. So it definitely costs more to enter one. So. I read somewhere, I don't know how true it is, that they don't really sell crash parts. They sell crash parts. Yep. Um, So there are certain crash parts that you need to be a Tesla certified repair facility to buy. Yep. Um, There are crash parts that you don't need to be a Tesla certified repair facility to buy. But if it's part of a structure of the vehicle that requires what Tesla considers specialized equipment, that Tesla needs to supply the instructions for using and kind of be involved in the repair process, they won't sell you that part. Uh, like an, like an inner quarter panel for a model three or no, sorry, a um, model S X, you wouldn't be able to X. buy if you were X or S either way, you wouldn't be able to buy if you were Andrew's auto body. 
if you were Andrew's auto body who had taken all the Tesla courses, ran through all the Tesla training and followed their protocols, then you could buy it. Hmm. If the outer skin was damaged, you as Andrew's auto body could buy the part because it's not a part that requires any special equipment because there's no structure to it. It's just the outer skin. So that's how they do it right now. Um, every part has uh, an indicator on the part of whether it's a factory Tesla part. Sorry, fa- sorry, a, a Tesla certified part has to be, or Tesla certified repair facility needs to use it, or a regular repair facility can use it. Um, one of the big issues, though, and I'm hoping this stays just with Tesla and doesn't become industry standard, or hopefully somebody stops Tesla from doing this, if you are not a Tesla certified part, you pay retail for all the parts. If you're not a Tesla certified hmm. repair facility, you pay retail for everything. So me as Mr. Insurance man goes to your shop. Now, traditional car manufacturers, you know, you get somewhere between 20 and 20 and 35% off your parts, right? So we sell you the parts or we as an insurance company pay for the parts at retail you yeah, make so your money make on money. the margin, right? Tesla does not allow that unless you're a Tesla certified shop, then you get either 25 or 30% off. If you're not Tesla certified, there's no discount, no way to get a discount. And us as the insurance company are not going to pay over retail for the part. So we will pay the body shop retail. So a lot of body shops that aren't certified, Wouldn't even on them. minor jobs are turning them down because there's no margin, you know? And, Body shops don't make their money at their $65 an hour labor rate. They make their money. No, on no. The labor rates need to come up in Massachusetts, especially everywhere. I mean, the rates here are lower than mass right now. So yeah. that's one of the things that's pretty much nationwide. Body shop rates are low. You go to a mechanic and, you know, 200 bucks an hour for a dealership mechanic is probably pretty average right now. And most Dealerships body shops. Price, so Correct. An average is, I like to say about 200 because they're anywhere from 150 to 300 is what I expect. Yeah. Some of the higher end places like Land, the Land Rover here at Scottsdale is like $700 um, an hour. An hour? Ridiculous. So yeah, something like that. Ridiculousness. Um, maybe not Scottsdale, but there's some Land Rover dealer that's like $700. Um, I haven't seen any of deals, even the Lamborghini dealer is only like $250. Um, but anyway, so mechanical labor rates are set in that general range. Whereas the body shop labor rate is 65, 70 bucks. Yeah. Um, so it's real difficult to make, to make money on pure labor alone, which is why they, you know, different parts departments, they fight for the, the body shops business and they'll say, Hey, how much business do you do with say Ford? Oh, we'll give you this much. We'll give you 40% off all the parts. So obviously that, you know, body shops gonna be like, absolutely. You know, they make 40% of every part, then they don't worry as much about the labor rate. But if Tesla is not going to sell them a part for a discount, they're not going to fix the car because now, you know, they're putting just as much time and effort into the car for 40% less profit. So it just doesn't, it doesn't become worth it. And we've had arguments with these shops like, oh, well, we paid this. So you need to mark it up. No, we don't need to mark it up. We need to pay you retail price. That's what we do. You know, you negotiate with the dealers for parts. We pay retail. We're not going to change it just because it's Tesla. We're not going to pay you over retail. You know, we're, we're not going to take the hit. You're not going to, they don't want to take the hit. So 
they got to not fix the cars and it's going to kind of really run those cars to the Tesla certified repair facilities. So I don't love it. Um, it's hard to, to justify it, but I, I just, I don't like Tesla as a company. Uh, again, not anti-electric car, not anti-pushing the future, but Tesla as a company has a lot of shady things that I do not like, and that's one of them. So it's uh, it's a little it's a little difficult to deal mm-hmm. with them. So thankfully, uh, I learned today that you know I, I work for State Farm, and we're one of the largest insurers in the country, and uh, Teslas are like one percent of our book of business. So it's not super common or a little less, little less than 1% of our entire book of business. So at this moment in time, it's not super common, but, and the other electric car companies aren't doing the same thing quite yet because they don't have the power to do that. So I also learned that, uh, that company VinFast. Yeah. So they're the Korean electric cars that are starting to trickle into this country. Vietnamese, I think. Vietnamese. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you hear about the batteries on those? No. You lease them separate from the car. Okay. So you buy the car or lease yep. the car. It yep. doesn't include the battery. Mm-hmm. The battery is leased separate from leasing the vehicle. Is this so I get better batteries over time? I don't Theoretically, know. this is so that if the battery dies, you don't replace the car. You just replace the battery. Which, in my brain, is the same Isn't as that the anything. Warranty? <laughs> well, they're separate. It would be a, when the warranty expires, I guess. Um, we were just chatting about that in this meeting this today. Like, we don't even know how we're going to ensure that yet, <laughs> because how do you justify selling it separate? I don't. I don't even understand. Um, here's your electric car. Paperwork's all done. Oh, you, oh, you want to use it? Oh, hold on. Now you get to buy and I sell you a battery. I mean, I, yeah, I guess we should have seen weird. this coming. It's just like, you know, waking up on Christmas morning at seven years old and getting all these new toys and no double A batteries. So I guess it's kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's kind of weird. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's what they weren't try to really, do, so we'll see how it I works. They weren't really well built cars to begin with. That also seems to be a problem, but that's one problem at a time, Andrew. Like from. The automotive journalists I follow on social media, they're like, yeah, these cars are like half ready. Like they're not. <laughs> well, you don't have to the... worry about the battery. You don't have to worry about it wearing out if it doesn't have a battery. You can't even use it. It's yeah. Totally or if it just car falls apart before they need to use it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, and then if the, if the car falls apart, do you now still own the battery? You just use it to power your yeah. house. What do you do with that? <laughs> so I don't know. It's a, it's a whole new world coming up with cars, and it still remains to be seen if it's going to be the way of the future or if it's just kind of a stumbling block towards what the future technology winds up being, right? So, Rivians are uh, selling the van separately now from Amazon. Are they really? They no longer have an exclusive contract, yeah. Interesting. Those things yep. also look like they're questionable quality because every Amazon van that I see is half falling apart already. Really? I've seen a couple of them. They look fine. They're all missing panels. Um, the you can literally watch them go down the road, and the whole side panels just flex as they drive. Um, the plastic panels below the molding all seem to fall off. 
I don't know if it's it's because people drive stuff or, from. <laughs> I don't know, but it just seems that seems like all of them I see are in questionable condition. I think it's people clip stuff with them. I, probably they give them to anybody with a license. So yeah, there's really no there's really no official test in driving them. So I mean they're cool looking. Um, they're or I guess cool looking is out there where they're different looking. You can definitely see them coming. But that'll be interesting to start seeing them sold to other people. Rivian's another whole story when it comes to to repair uh, on those. Um, they have what almost looks like a traditional frame under them. It's not a traditional frame, but it looks like a traditional frame that the battery goes in the middle of. So when the battery's out of it, if, if you put like an F-150 frame next to a, a black and white image of a Rivian frame, they almost look the same. The problem is the Rivian frame is constructed from like seven different alloys. So as of right now, there's no repairing it. So if it gets in an accident and gets damaged, you need to replace that entire frame section, which is, you know, $15,000 currently. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff is happening with this. There's so much new technology happening and so many things changing in the cars and it's, uh, it's going to be a lot to keep up with, but. Gosh, darn it. They should have never went away from wooden frames. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you want any carpenter could have fixed it. Go buy a Morgan. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's the uh, electric car news moment uh, segment of the day. Just some weird things here and there. You're less weirded out by the V6 generator and the new Ram, but I definitely uh, am. It's maybe, it's, maybe, fine. maybe it's a great idea. It just seems odd to me. So we'll, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So, I hope you're right. I hope it's totally normal and fine. It just seems odd. So, theoretically, it'll just last forever if all it does is just sit there and basically idle all day. It'll be like a generator and a server. Just runs and runs and runs, right? Well, I mean, you get all them, like, it's that's like the same V6 they put in, like, some of the police packages, and they just sit there and idle and, like, details all the time, so. Sure. I'm saying it's a good thing. Like it'll last forever, just idling. Will it have um, an hour counter or a mileage counter? I wonder. I'm sure it'll have a mileage counter because it's going to be. It'll probably have both. Yeah, it'll probably have both. Like my my old diesel truck had both. Hmm. So not uncommon, I guess. Anyway, anyway, let's NASCAR. go to yeah, the complete opposite of electric cars. Let's go to NASCAR. NASCAR. Well, listen, they use their their uh, hybrid now or biofuel. They say been that like that for years. Yeah, yeah. It's so like it's, that's we're still talking green. E one ten or something. Here. It's mostly yeah. methanol. Something like that. I don't know exactly what the deal is, but uh, anyway, I don't season know finale was. It's, uh, Phoenix. They came in for that Sunoco race fuel. Yeah. It topped off with four Goodyear tires. So they uh, made it to Phoenix, which is the final race of the year. Um, you watched the race, I assume? I did. Uh, excellent. Race. Excellent race. Um, the cool thing is exactly what they were looking for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The cool thing is, so it's the last race, the final four drivers that can win the championship. Now, 
don't worry about points. They don't worry about stage points. All it is is the end of the race. The finishing order of those four drivers is all that matters. So if one finishes fifth and one finishes 10th and one finishes 21st and one finishes 30th, the guy who finished fifth wins the championship. Uh, Kind of a cool way to do it. Um, However, the three remaining drivers by the end of the race finish second through fourth, two, three, four. Um, so I guess that's yeah. a big reason as to why they're, you know, champions because they're up at the front all the time. Right. Um, yep. I think the coolest thing this year. So Ryan Blaney won the championship. He did. Ryan Blaney did not win the race. No, he didn't. And that's Which the first never time happened that's before. happened. <laughs> yeah. That's the first time that's happened. All right. So I want to back up great. a little bit. Okay. Um, Kevin Harvick's last race of his career. Yes, correct. He got out and led a few laps. And I was like, man, it would be really cool if his car stayed fast and he actually won this race. I'm not a huge Harvick fan, but it would be like really cool to have the guy that's retiring win the last sure. race. Absolutely. Didn't happen that way, but nope. <laughs> but he's still top 10, which was like he's got the most top 10s at any one track now. That's his record. Yes. It was like 21 or something, or 22 top 10s at Phoenix. In a row. In a row. Yeah, crazy. Like more than Petty, more than like a bunch of other real good drivers. Yep. Yeah, so I think he finished seventh. Yeah. And actually, I think it was, it might even be seventh or better, 21 times. Might be what it was. Yeah. But still, crazy. He's obviously good there. So if he had a chance to win anywhere, it was definitely there. So I thought for a little bit that uh, even Elliot might have got his final, his first win in the final race because Elliot hasn't lost, hasn't had a winless season since he won his first race. So weird, crazy. Yeah, he didn't win any. One. I mean, he missed half the season. He did, which is a big part of it. So, but he didn't win any races at all this year. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, is what it is. He was uh, for a long time. He was one of my favorite drivers, but only because he's Bill Elliott's son. Um, yeah, but as time has gone on, I, I, he's kind of, he's kind of a boring interview and a boring human being. So I kind of, <laughs> I, I like to see him win, but I'm less of a Elliot fan than I used to be. So I'm, uh, I'm team track house, man. I'm telling you. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Cause, uh, it's like, so here's the thing, right? Um, Blaney is Penske. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Larson, Hendrick. Byron, yep. Hendrick, yep. Elliot, Hendrick, yep. So like, massively huge dynasty teams. Like they have won so many championships. Like Penske sure. is probably has won everything everywhere. Like no, every no form question. of motorsport. <laughs> no question. So then you have just just this basically upstart team who was running out uh, first last weekend was pretty cool. So that's. I'm kind of into both teams that I'm into because they're underdogs. Yeah. Um, not that not that Trackhouse doesn't have money because you have to have money to feel a multi car oh, yeah. team in NASCAR. So it's not like it's like some guy's, you know, corner garage who's out there. No, no. It's still a massive no, no. multi million dollar corporation. But but it's but not, they're not a Penske. It's not they're not a yeah. They're not a fifty year old team. Right. Right. Although one of my favorite teams is the oldest team of, of all of them, which is the Wood Brothers team. 
but they also yep. have no money. They have no money at all, but I still root for them every week because they still run the same number and the same basic paint schemes they've been running since like 1962. So I'm into that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see the 21 in a victory circle someday. Um, but yeah, so you have Chastain and um, Suarez who are on team track yep. And they and also bring in a third driver. SVG. <laughs> yeah. For next year. And also for a lot of the road courses in the past. Um, and then also I love the 23 X I team. Cause it's also yes. a similar story, even though it's backed by Michael Jordan, who's one of the most you know wealthiest athletes in the history of athletes, but he's not a historic, you know, NASCAR figure. He's just learning. So I also love that I guess team for the same. He's a reason. huge NASCAR fan though for a long time. He's supposedly. a huge racing fan in general. Yeah. So if you remember when he first kind of got out of basketball altogether, uh, he started playing golf very publicly, but at the same time he also was fielding uh, motorcycle racing teams. So he hmm. had um, like world superbike teams that were the his his uh, his backing, and they were like a kind of a tiffany blue colored motorcycle with you know the jump man logos on the side of them so he did that first before he started doing nascar but it's because he couldn't just run in and get a nascar team it took him a while to build up enough people to put nascar team together so i'm a huge fan of 23x11 and Trackhouse for that exact reason that you are in a field of multi-million dollar teams they are the underdogs they are the upstart yeah. they're new um it's cool to see them you know, it's cool to see them take on Hendrick and Penske and Gibbs and have that kind of, you know, new new guy here, you know, trying to make is... it happen. It's the same reason I also like RFK because RFK is yeah. also got that Boston connection being the Fenway part. But even though they have yeah. Roush, Roush seems to be less of a, an influence in that team. And obviously it's still a bigger team than the other two, but it's, I don't know, maybe it's just the Boston connection altogether. Is, <laughs> um... Penske kind of is headquartered in Phoenix. Yep. Yeah, I thought so because they we went to the museum there. So Penske is there. I'm like that must be a big deal for them. They must have all well, the suites and Penske's headquarters is here for his dealership network. Okay. His NASCAR race team is still in North Carolina or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. But that's not here. So, but Penske himself, his his dealership empire is here in Phoenix. And his, you know, his uh, feature store with the museum is here, which if you're ever in Phoenix and you're looking for a way to kill a couple hours, the Penske, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Bentley, whatever dealership has the Penske Museum in it. Uh, And it's free Mm -hmm. admission. It's two floors. It's filled with Penske owned race cars that go back into the 70s. Um, Sometimes even some 60s stuff that wasn't, you know, his, but he's collected there's some pace cars i mean indy cars nascar i rock cars sports cars there's tons of glass cases full of different trophies and championships and it's it's a pretty neat place and like i said it's there's no admission it's right in scottsdale it's it's a good way to kill an afternoon here in phoenix if you're in town um i think it's open seven days so totally worth checking out so, but you, actually they do a cars and coffee there once a month i want to say I've never been because I figure it's all Ferraris and stuff and it's not my scene, but eventually I'll make it. So, but anyway, it was a great race. Um, Ryan Blaney won the championship. 
He finished second. Uh, he was... I'm glad he won over Larson and Byron. Um, I I just I don't like Hendricks' team much. <laughs> um, and he wanted it. It was definitely some old school kind of NASCAR stuff going on there. He was super frustrated because Ross Chastain wouldn't let him pass, which is awesome. Because Ross Chastain was like, no, man, I'm going for a win. I don't care that you're going for the championship. I'm not going to give you the win, which I think is the way it should be. Yeah. I think that if you're going to win the race, you're going to win the race. Who cares about the champion? Now, if he's, if he was your teammate, maybe you don't race him quite as hard. Yeah. yeah. But they weren't teammates. They no. weren't even the same manufacturer. So he raced the crap out of him. And Blaney got pissed. And he bumped him real hard. He flipped him off on live television, which was great. Um, but he damn, he damn near wrecked his car trying to pass Chastain, which wouldn't have gotten him anything other than the win. It wouldn't have made him double champion. No. You know, like Chastain's car was clearly faster. Let him win, man. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Sure. Fight, fight, fight for the win if you want it. But if you crash out and you lose the championship because you didn't get first place, you're an idiot. Yeah. And the, and, uh, you know, listen to the commentary where they're (laughs) Dale Jr.'s like, man, they got to talk him down. Talk him down. Like, he yeah. has to calm down. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and they played the audio from inside Byron's car, who's also in the running for the championship. And his crew chief got on, or his spotter got on to somebody. He's like, he's melting he down. Like, he's, he's melting down. He's like, he's hey, man, the, the 12 car's melting down. Just relax. He's going to wreck. You'll be all right. Because yeah. so, <laughs> he was. He was angry. He was really getting fired up, which, which I appreciate. I mean, listen, you're a competitor. You're trying to win the race. But at the same time, like, you fight that hard to win this one race, and you might lose the championship. Maybe back off a little bit. But, but it was Chastain it was wasn't great. Do anything racing. wrong? Nah, he, he raced him clean. He did. He didn't bump was, him. He didn't touch him. The only contact between the two of them was when Blaney was trying to overpower him in the corner, and he wound up washing up the racetrack into the side of him. He he hit Chastain. So all Chastain was doing was racing. You know, he, listen, he wants to win. So At the what? end of the day, there's still a championship for the car manufacturer, <laughs> yeah. for the team. There's all more than just the actual championship for the driver. So, man, get that win. What? Pad pad what, your record. Um, Don't give it up. What is Phoenix considered? It's not. It's obviously not a super speedway. So uh, Phoenix is, is like, Phoenix is a like a mid-length short track. It's a mile. Okay, mile. Oh, so, so like New Hampshire. Yeah, it's it's a um, it's like a big short track. So it's yeah, a that's weird. Weird design. Yeah, that was it. Three and four, where they there's they just, just no dive boundary. down. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. There's no boundary, um, and if you hit it right, you can make up a ton of time in that corner. But also, it's super bumpy, and it upsets yeah. the car, and it could put you in the wall. So that's why you don't always see it when they're going at speed. But to see them, so every time the the green flag drops, you see them just fan out five, six, seven cars yeah. wide because they can. But they're also only doing acceleration speed when you see them take that super low line at full race speed and the car like practically leaps through the air going over those bumps absolutely insane but it's a way to dive bomb that corner and win up take a position it's super cool again stuff i didn't realize when i was younger watching it and now i've been watching it a lot is like uh on a super speedway he would have been he would have been wanted to blaney would have wanted to be right behind chastain for drafting Yep. But on this type of track, Chastain kept getting in front of him because he upset the air and would Correct. take all downforce away from Blaney's car. 
and make it handle worse. Yep. Which is an amazing tactic because without even sure. like, he wasn't even really blocking. He was just like taking the air away, which is kind of crazy. Yep. Like that's a lot of uh, multitasking of driving and also watching where he is to take the air away. I'm like, sure. That's pretty cool. Sure. Yeah, and that's why you'll like see, totally uh, like totally legal tactic. Like, yeah, well, that's why on the super speedways you'll see them side by side less because it slows them down yeah. so much. Being side by side, they run faster nose to tail. Whereas in these shorter yeah. tracks, they can run side by side at almost race pace and lose less time to the guys behind them. And then, uh, man, pit stop strategy. Like, talk about Hendrick having money. Yeah, like, that's where it shows. We're like Larson's team. Like he is the best pit crew by a because, mile, 9.5 like, seconds or less every pit. Yeah. And he, he made up like the last race, like 14 spots in the pits. So the, this the reason race, he, he did that four was because when he took made 14 spots, because he took two tires versus four and everybody else took four. Yeah. So everybody else took nine to 10 seconds and his team took six. So that's yeah. what the difference is right there. But also yeah. when you only take six seconds, you only get that much fuel too. You don't get as much fuel in the car. Yeah, that's true. So, but there is a man, that, disadvantage to that as well. That it does buy you a good team, though. Oh, 100%. And that's, that's again, and he's annoyingly a good driver. <laughs> There's nothing against Kyle Larson other than he's a whiny little baby who made some racist comments. So I don't like him because he's a whiny little baby who made some racist comments. That means he's not, a, he's probably not a good person. So, uh, and, and then it's like, it's funny. Like, uh, it, I was saying to Stephanie, I'm like, he'll like run kind of like near the back, like a dark horse, a lot of the race sometimes. And yeah, then all of a sudden, like the last stage race. guys up in third, like top five, you're like, where did you come from? Yeah. Every race too. Yeah. And it's just that, stra- it's just that strategy. They run a totally different strategy than everybody else. And they always wind yeah. up there somehow in the end. And it's the whole Hendrick team. It's not just him. Mm-hmm. Byron does the same thing. Byron won what six races this year? Like, yeah, dude's a child. How did he pull that off? <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yeah, Kyle Larson taking nothing away from him as a driver is an excellent driver. And you yeah, know, he... other than his being kind of whiny, obviously making some terrible racist comments, um, I think part of the reason for my dislike of Larson is the same reason you don't like. Same reason you don't like the Yankees or same reason you don't like the Cowboys or teams that just won all the time. Yeah. If I didn't grow up 10 miles north of Boston, I, I wouldn't be a Patriots fan either, you know, because they're the annoying team that won all the time throughout the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, I get why people don't like them. I, I don't like Larson because I don't want to see him win anymore. Put somebody else up there. You know, let's let's get let's give Chastain a chance. Chastain's, you know, and Chastain and all the other drivers for, um, Trackhouse and 23XI Racing are all up and comers that, you know, started in the back of the pack and now they're all pretty consistently top 10 or at least top 15 drivers. Every they were week. all in the playoffs. Yeah. They just got knocked out. Every, every week they're, they're at minimum top 15. So it's become, you know, quite a thing to see these guys improve over the, over the time we've been watching them. So. Anyway, it was totally I don't know. worth would it. Would have been different. Would have been different if Elliot not missed a bunch of races. I don't know because he certainly kind of pooped sure. out at the end of the season. He he 
he barely missed the playoffs and he missed like seven or eight races. Yeah. So if he hadn't missed those races, he definitely would have been in the playoffs and it would have been a whole different story for him too. So he, again, he's a past champion, so it is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm more glad that Blaney won than like I said, Larson or Byron. Um, Blaney has never had a championship before. It's cool for him. Um, he's an old school style driver, which I like, you know, he's a, Daryl Waltrip style, Dale Earnhardt style. He has that like aggressive, which Chastain yeah, does too, Ch- which is another reason Chastain. I like Chastain, which is why they were racing each other the way they were racing each other. They were, they were racing each other pretty clean, but aggressive. And that's all you yeah. can ask for. In a good and, and a lot of the other guys don't like it and they get real whiny about it. It's like, come on. I'll say lap with 30 laps left to 10 laps left. That race was anybody's game and it was back and forth and back and forth. And Larson and Byron were catching and Blaney and Chastain were banging doors. And any one of those three could have won the championship at that point in time. And Blaney had to literally calm down and set in behind Chastain. And, uh, and once he did, Chastain just took off on him. So again, I don't like, listen, I don't, I don't understand the appeal of F1 because I, I caught it the other weekend. There is no passing. There's nothing going on. People are excited about the fifth to sixth place passing. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's sorry. It's boring. Hey, I love a fifth it's, to sixth place battle in NASCAR too, but I just F1 is. But the F1 whole is, field battles in NASCAR. That's the thing. Yeah. There was t- cars move around. They pass. They can take different lines. You F1, don't have to have uh, the, this, uh, push to pass system, whatever the hell they call it. Like they don't need that. It's, I don't know. I think the big deal with F1 is you have to get a hundred percent into all of F1. You can't just watch the race. You need to be into qualifying. You need to care about behind the scenes stuff. So I, um, pre the Indy 500 this year, I was at our friend Brad's house. Uh, yeah. he's a big F1 guy. Um, won't hold it against him, but he's a big F1 guy. And I watched qualifying with him. And qualifying in F1 is exciting as the NASCAR race is. Because the guys are going out there and thousands of a difference in sectors. And the announcers have a lot of fun with it. And it was fun to watch the qualifying. But then the race, let's just follow the leader for three hours. Not as fun yeah. to me. So, so uh, anyway, speaking of that. Uh, we're going to the Indy 500. Yes, we are. Um, uh, we'll be there. People want to go. We'll be there. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm excited because this uh, year we have Indy 500 tickets and we have Daytona 24 tickets. Yes, we're going to Daytona 24 hours. So if people want to go there, we'll be there <laughs> all and weekend. I think Long Beach is going to be on our plans too. Yes, we need to plan Long Beach. I'd like so to. Yeah, if anybody's, if anybody wants to, you know hang out let us know but also um, guess what we're, we are the uh, not the draw for the event obviously <laughs> no uh we are taking my father-in-law we're going to daytona 500 oh nice yeah awesome so we're you're going to florida twice in a week no they're not they're uh they're like a month apart oh, are they really it's uh yeah, january 28th and february 18th I just so my brain still weeks. has speed weeks as a thing, I guess. I know that that was cool. That was a yeah. time in history. Huh? 
Yeah, it had sports cars, motorcycles, and NASCAR all in one week. It's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, you could go to the Clash. That's close to you. I thought about it. I thought about it. Um, I want to do something this year at uh, Laguna Seca. That's my my goal. Yeah, um, yeah that looks cool. Grid life. grid life looked cool there. It was yeah, cool at I, Lime Rock. So I, I bet it's as cool at La, uh, Laguna Seca too. Yeah, for sure. So my my goal is to get there for that. So we'll see. We'll see. So it's weird having a job that just allows me all this time, PTO. So, like, yep, enjoy, crazy. enjoy life. Yeah, it's it's great. I see these things. It's great. I already, I've already had so, seven days off, and I've worked there for four months. So mm-hmm. three, three months, whatever. Wild. Anyway, so we've got like on Sunday it was like 105 days till Daytona. So all right. Now uh, racing season's over. I think I think I bought all my tickets. Yeah, I did. Sorry. Well, I was 105 days till the 500. Um, oh, less okay. till the Rolex. Oh, that oh. that reminds me. I just I'm speaking out loud on the podcast, but yeah, I got a call about a parking pass. That was the one thing you couldn't buy online for some reason. Okay. Yeah, I bought Strangely. I bought my race ticket and I bought my plane ticket. So, and I yeah. have my time. Yeah, off I get it. Yeah, I took care of the other stuff. So. That is the cool thing about racing season. Racing season, racing off season, not very long. Yeah, you know, we get half of November, December, and then a couple weeks in January, and then boom, car racing starts again. Mm-hmm. So, NASCAR. And All right. Anything else? Sports car racing this month? No, I don't think so. I think that's it. Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. So, as always, follow us off topic podcast on Facebook. Out off topic on Instagram. I am racing on Instagram and on threads, which seems to be coming up. Uh, it seems to be more popular. So we're also on there out off topic. Basically, if you've got Instagram, it ports right over to threads. So we're there. Uh, right. Where else can they, where else can they find, uh, you, uh, TSI SS three five zero on Instagram. Uh, also on threads, I guess I need to remember to check that. Uh, I haven't been really there very much. Um, also on Instagram, we have Scale Autocast, and I am putting together some stuff to put that, uh, not contest, but kind of group build together, um, talking to some people and doing some things and making a graphic, and uh, I'll put that out pretty soon. I have uh, pushed it forward a little bit, because like I said, I had some out-of-town guests and life, and just didn't get there, so we'll get that going pretty quickly, and uh, give you cold weather people something to do car related in the cold weather time oh yeah um ea sports wrc game is out i made a club for us i haven't started a race series yet but um i'll post about that if i set one up probably i will because it's you know almost winter time so but excellent i've got one set up. i need to buy both games so i'll get there Yeah. All right. Cool. As always, keep cars analog and aim the roses.